Morpheus is fighting Neo. Hello and welcome to the Hollywood Fishbowl. I am and can only be your host, Jesse Kester. Today, we are joined by the one, the only, the illustrious, the tea-sipping... Lars Komenizu Spade. Whoa, the first one I got. Slow down on the second one. Help me out there. Komenizu Spade. I'm not going to get it. No, it's fine. Is it okay if I give up now? K is fine. Okay. Yeah. K. Lars K? Yeah. Welcome to the show. Thank you for coming on. Of course, yeah. All right, the music is and Morpheus is done fighting Neo. Um, how would you like people to frame you on this show? How do you frame yourself? Um, I'm I'm kind of just a you know photographer that found a niche and um, does a thing that not everybody can do or is able mm-hmm. to do, and that that in itself has kind of carved me out my own little space in like photography and like the genres that I shoot in, which is like the pinup scene. Okay. Mostly. That's what, that's how I would have framed you too. But I always like to give the guest a chance to, Oh, I mean, there's to, other layers to yeah, that. Of I course, mean, of course. The, the secret layer is like, I, re, I I'd rather, I want to be known as a comic book artist. So I'm, that's like my, um, my secret, like little, uh, that's what I want to be doing. Okay. It's funny. Cause like, I'm, I'm probably the only dude that like photographs beautiful women in lingerie and like exotic places that secretly just wants to be like, yeah, just give me back my little cave where I can sketch all day. I just want to draw comics. But, um, but for now this is not a a bad gig. We're going to get into that. We're going to get into pinup. We're going to get into the, your Genesis as a photographer. It's a 20 year career. Yep. Um, we're definitely going to get into comic books. We might get into Ed Boon and John Tobias's seminal works. Um, but before we get into any of that, what I'd like to do is something called five and five, where I'm going to ask you five questions. You have one minute to answer each question and that's all you have. You're going to get beeps that tell you when to stop talking. This is for our Instagram feeds and also to give people a very, uh, compact introduction to who you are. You ready? I'm ready. You feeling good on it? Yep. All right. The beeps will sound like this. Question number one, where did you grow up and how did that inform your adulthood? I grew up in Scranton, Pennsylvania. It's a shitty, depressing coal mining town. Um, People used to have, there used to be a lot of old money there. And over Mm -hmm. the last hundred years, you know, as the coal industry collapsed, it's become the punchline for the office. Yep. So uh, it's given me good perspective because when something good ends up coming my way in life, I usually am aware of it because it's it's pretty bleak. Yeah. Nothing. Nothing will straighten you out like growing up in a an old coal mining town. What do they call that in Game of Thrones when you go to the wall? That's the the black. uh, It's the um, I forget. It's a little organization that you you kind of it's ostracized. You end up becoming like a pariah, and you have to go to the wall instead of Mm -hmm. getting killed. That's that's growing up in Pennsylvania. That's how you frame it. Yeah. What is your greatest source of joy in life? Well, I mean, comics is, or uh, like family, I was going to say family, but I guess, no, family, my son, you know, okay. my family, my girlfriend and everything, like those are all things that make me happy. But, um, and they're, they're sort of the, the steady, consistent source of joy. Um, but like the longing sense of joy, the thing that like the passionate thing, mm-hmm. the art thing is definitely comics. I have stories to tell and I want to tell them. Why are you, comics have come up twice and we're barely five minutes in. Yeah. What, what's keeping you from doing that? Um, no money in comics. Um, but, uh, you know, much like my photography career was kind of carved out. I, mm-hmm. I have like, I, I know I'm going to do the same thing with comics. Like I'll probably do it on my own terms. It'll probably take 20 years longer than it should have. Yeah. But once I get to that point, it'll be my own thing and I can live off that own path. 
Okay, we are we are definitely going to get into uh, what what on your own terms means in the world of photography, but we can't right now. That's right. What gets under your skin? Oh man. Um, well, it's funny because like one thing that really irks me is name droppers, okay. and I'm like. Yeah, I'm in LA all the time. Welcome to yeah, yeah. Just, yeah <laughs> this is the capital, the global capital. Yeah, but that is just like something that really irritates me. Um, I don't know why. I don't. I don't know. It's just. Uh, I'm sure there's other things. I mean, the beautiful thing about name dropping is it doesn't matter now because there are everyone is so like every celebrity is in their niche. They've got their audience that loves them. Yeah. But outside. I, Half the people who are name dropped, I have no idea right. who, who's being talked about. Yeah, at that moment. it's almost a it's it's like a fun thing when like somebody drops a name and it goes flat. Like no, yeah, 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 yeah. They know the expect uh, the the expected result and they don't get it. I don't, yeah, that happens more and more as as uh, entertainers find their their yeah. group of twelve or fifteen fans instead of yeah hundreds and hundreds. Yeah. What is the must engage media, the book, the movie, the television show, the comic book that influenced you, that, that opened up your brain to the secrets of the universe? Man, I, I have to say it's probably Spawn. I, I was a diehard like, I mean, I was in such a fun place with mm -hmm. comics because my age. Um, How old are you? I'm, I'm going to be 39 in July. Okay, so, yep, yep, yep. Um, it was a perfect time. It was right in the major transition between the, the Marvel DC like 90s era. Mm -hmm. And then when like, Jim Lee and Todd and like Silvestri and everybody just said like, fuck it. And they just walked away from all that and started image. Yeah. And it was just such a transformative, you know, moment for comics. And spawn was the one that like, really you first got to see a, like a crazy anti-hero that would like rip people in half. And yeah, you know, yeah, and yeah. I, I was just, ugh, it's looking back on it and rereading it. It's kind of like a little bit childish. It didn't age super well, but for me, it's got such a seminal part of my heart. Well, the question was what opened up your brain, not what yeah. what lasted the test of time. Right. Last question. What is the best advice you've received in your life and what advice do you want to put out into the world? I don't know. I just recently I started rereading um, um, American Gods. I, mm -hmm. I got that little Kindle and I was rereading American Gods and right in there they were talking about how as some, you know, your art's not very good. You like just be aware that your your yep. art's not very good. Like th th that's good. That oh, I know what it is. Um I needed something to connect to it, but it was it's the the I, the premise of the magnum opus. That is probably the greatest advice or like awareness uh, that that the work that you are currently working on is not your career work. You know, and, and you should let that go. Wait, what do you mean? The work you're working on now is your current. That's my biggest problem. And yes. I, it's a lot of artists biggest problem. There's a great little thing you can watch on YouTube uh, called um, Finish Not Perfect. Um, yes. it's a, you ever see that? that it, it made its rounds on social media for a while. It was some guy. But it's it's it summarizes everything, every real problem as an artist I've ever had, which is this thing has to represent my entire life's work and career. Yeah. And it needs to be absolutely perfect and um that's not true like those things hold you back like you should make a lot of mistakes and you should do things that look terrible you know and let them kind of be a foundation for the good work that you do later um but uh, that that's the thing like even with comics i'm a, i've i don't think i've put out a finished comic in 15 years because in my head it has to be this huge like you know um greg capullo like uh you know uh, like just epic 
pages and panels and everything. Yeah. And like, it doesn't have to be, it, I'm, I'm coming to that now. It doesn't have to be like that. That stuff will come. So, well, that, that brings us into that, that thing where, um, the first, the, there's a lot embedded in that. The, when you started out, were you operating day to day with that gotta be perfect ambition? And how does that work look to you today? Yeah. Um, it, uh, photography was like that. I mean, like I, I have a habit of seeing someone's work or art and mm -hmm. deciding I want to do that. Like, yeah. You know, that's just a natural thing for me is like, I'll see someone who's really inspires me and then I'll immediately think I need to, I want to do what they do, mm -hmm. and, but I want to do it better. Yeah. And, um, and photography took, I mean, I wasn't turning out really good images in, until I've been doing it for 15 years, probably. It's only been in the last five years. I've really been making like the type of work that would be in the book. Let's talk um, about the book. We are going to get into this more later on, but I did want to give a quick shout out. The book is Dark Pinup. Yeah. And we'll give it to the, to the cameras for a moment. Um, we will get into this, how sure. this came to be. Th did this start less than five years ago or yeah, when, well, did, when did the conversations on this one begin? This book just came out last April. So about a year ago, we had a release party. Congratulations. Thank you. Yeah. At Viva Las Vegas. We did a, the word of the publisher, working class publishing. Mm -hmm. They approached me about doing a book. They kind of specialize in the pinup scene and, um, uh, they approached me about doing this book. We worked on it through all of 2017. Um, and then 2018, we, we released it at a big party in um, Vegas. But now, uh, so it's about a year old. First of all, just flipping through it, the book is tremendous. It's just like it's the work from page one to page whatever, 300, 200, whatever it is, is phenomenal throughout. Um, and I want to get to all that oh, and what makes it so good and what, what kind of were your turnkey techniques that got you to that style. But I really want to know about the the early days first, the first 15 years when it wasn't any good. <laughs> yeah. Um, and and when I come across those images that are like, you know, like buried deep in the folders of my like hard drives and stuff mm -hmm. like, oh, they're embarrassing. But the thing was, back then, I did go into him with that f feeling that like it's a double edged sword because like when you're kind of not good mm -hmm. and you turn out something that's pretty good like you know it's above your typical skill set oh yeah, um, yeah, yeah. it's you a feel very like you've exciting. seen the, the heavens yeah open it's, up. it's it's such an adrenaline rush and yep. you know on one hand i think that's great because it gets you to the next yep, rung yeah, of the it ladder gives you that little kick that you need to keep moving forward right and um i think it's good to keep you going but like seriously when i look back on them like even those ones that i i, I would identify as the the images that got me to the next rung of the ladder they're so embarrassingly bad i i had one of I, I stumbled across. It was so cringeworthy. It was a girl on the side of the road in like Scranton mm -hmm. uh, with her thumb out trying mm -hmm. to thumb a, um, like a ride. Um, and she had like this like shirt that was open and it was like this, it was supposed to be sexy. It was just sad. And it was just like, I like, even as the photographer, I mean, I was probably 22 when I did yeah, it, yeah, yeah. but it just, it was such a creepy concept and it was such a, it was me cosplaying the type of thing my uncles like to look at. Yep. You know yep, what yep, I mean? Yep, 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 yep. And uh, I, I just can't believe I took something like that. But I remember at the time I took that photo, I, I think that was the best photo I, I'd ever taken. And I was like really excited about it. So, so. you were doing pinup from the beginning? The you kind of had like well, a sexy edge to it or when did that, when did that? That's, that's a funny story. Start? Yeah. The pinup thing is a really funny story. So, um, one thing I should probably preface is, um, the, the style of shooting that I do. Mm -hmm. Um, so I learned from a guy named Jim Gavanis, who's a documentary photographer. 
in Scranton. He, he, he teaches at one of the schools now. He's like the head of the photography department. Great guy, just super interesting. He, um, he was a documentary photographer, so he would go to like Haiti in the deep South Mm -hmm. And he would shoot all this crazy, like humanitarian crisis stuff and like civil rights struggle stuff. And um, when I saw his, like actually prior to that point, I had almost virtually no respect for photography. I thought it was like a medium for people that couldn't actually draw or paint. Yeah, yeah, I, you yeah. Know, yeah. Like, you just push a button. Point yeah, at the thing yeah, and push well, a button. You know, what's, oh, what's the work like, involved oh, in that? poor thing, you can't draw. Like, yeah, you know, yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, at least you could be a photographer. Yeah. That's kind of how I felt about it. And then I saw Jim's work and it really changed my perspective. And um, I'd kind of become friends with him and mentored under him. And because he was shooting documentary, he, he didn't use any lighting equipment. So when we'd shoot, it would just be like, you know, his little camera body. And that yeah. was it, period. And, um, you know, a lot of uh, some, you know, so I'd shoot with him. And after four or five years of just shooting in that technique, it, it never even occurred to me to start using flashes and strobes and lights and stuff. And um, I'd kind of at that point, even though I wasn't great, I'd already been locked into like what I thought my approach to photography would be. Mm-hmm. So, um, you know, I just had this, they, they call it um, some, I don't, I try to shy away from the term natural light because that usually implies there's some sort of sun involved. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but uh, it, it, the term I've heard in the past is diegetic lighting. And you told me about was incidental lighting. Yeah, um, yeah. But that's how Jim and I both shot. We would, you know, whatever light we'd have in whatever space we were shooting is what would light the subject. And um, it's a it's a change because typically photographers and, and videographers, you know, anyone like DPs, like they'll bring the light source to the model or the subject. Mm-hmm. This is the exact opposite. You bring the model closer to, to the, lamp, the light, wh- yeah, wherever so it is. The light doesn't necessarily move. You just bring the person yeah. that you're shooting closer to that. And, um, you know, and I just did that and I got locked into that. And, you know, it's one of those things where. 20 years later, you've really mastered this skill that confounds a lot of other artists or a lot yeah. of other photographers. Like it, it, well, cause it, it takes 20 years to, to develop get, the skill. I have, I have a theory <laughs> that you can't do it unless you suck at it for a decade. Yeah, no, no, no. I totally believe it because it's difficult enough to get a good shot when you have complete control over the lighting and the, you know, where the stool is and where the model is and where the pose yeah. is. If you, if I had to, if I was confined to where the lights are in the room, that's like another level of difficulty that I don't even want to bother with. Right. And, and, and it's weird because in my life, I, I do tend to be kind of a control freak with a lot of things, mm-hmm. but the therapeutic thing in the way I shoot is like, it's a, it's a letting go of control. You know, it's like this thing where like I, I walk into a lot of these situations, not knowing how I'm going to like anything yeah. and I just have to figure it out like while I'm there. And it's, it's kind of like exciting. It's like a little bit of an art high every shoot because yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, you're under the gun from yeah. minute one. Now what, what are your sessions like? Are you talking like three hours or eight hours or one hour? What's your mm, average? I, I mean, of course, how long is a piece of string? I get, I get to a point. Um, most of my, my, my private sessions are, um, of 90 minutes to about two hours. Okay. But, um, to your, the, the question you asked about the pinup thing, mm-hmm. um, that, the, the reason that's interesting is because much like I, I had like this, um, I, I didn't, I had, I didn't have a lot of respect for photography. I had even less respect for the, for pinup photography. I never liked the cheesecake stuff, like mm-hmm. the, the seamless backdrop and the like forced poses and stuff. Mm-hmm. And the, I just never really, I love those paintings. Yeah. Yeah. Like, yeah. Those like paintings the, are, from, are the shit from me. the forties. Some stuff. of my favorite stuff yeah, is, but are those pinup paintings. But the photography that came with it, with the exception of a few, there's, I do have a few photographers that I, I that shoot that type of work. I really like, mm-hmm. um, there's a guy out here named Alvarado that it does really good work. And, um, my friend Holly West shoots really good stuff. My friend, um, Shannon Brooks shoots some, really great um, cheesecake stuff when she wants to. Um, but 
uh, when she so wants much to for, So much for no name dropping. Good oh, lord, right. my I man. Know. Well, You're not embarrassed right now. <laughs> <laughs> uh, good call. Um, they're, they're great people. Yeah. And I, I feel like if we're going to talk pinup, there are going to be some people I have to mention. Yeah, um, yeah. But they're they're like in the small little section of people that shoot that cheesecake style. I really do like their work. And um, the uh, but more or less, when I started coming out here and I started shooting up a lot of the pinup models in my style, mm-hmm. I, I quickly got this title of like, oh, Lars, the pinup photographer. And I remember for a while really not liking that, like as I was feel like I was being associated with something I never really yeah, personally yeah, 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 yeah. liked. And um, and then eventually, as it, uh, at some point, there was a, a person whose name I will not mention so that I don't drop it. Um, so, I didn't no, no, no. call attention to uh, that. Well, there's a, second, there's a secondary reason. We don't really, I'm not really cool with her anymore. So like, okay. I don't want to bring her name uh, up anymore. Model or photographer? Uh, she actually owns a company, a clothing company, but, um, she used, she was the one who first used the name, the term dark pinup. Mm-hmm. She's like, well, she, cause I told her the same story. I was like, I don't really like being called a pinup photographer. And she said, well, what you shoot is more kind of like dark pinup. And mm-hmm. I was like, Ooh, like I could handle that. Like, cause Stick that at least disting- that I was distinguished me from the cheesecake stuff. Yeah. Yeah. And, um, I was more okay with that because, um, I liked it. I mean, when I shoot these women that, you know, have forties hair and dresses and fifties dresses and all mm-hmm. this like vintage clothes and fashion. And like, we usually shoot in these really, you know, uh, elaborate locations and everything. Um, this, because I shoot with like a 35 or a 50 mm-hmm. and it's all diegetic lighting, it does tend to look like scenes, like stills from like an old forties or fifties yeah. movie. What are you, are you hanging out around 1.8? Yeah. 1.8, 35 okay. is mostly what okay. I shoot these days. Um, what's your I, body? Uh, it's a Nikon D750. Okay. Which, um, for video, I really love Canon. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. That's. I think that was the first time in the history of mankind that that sentence was spoken. Really? People, yeah, yeah. People don't, don't. Well, I know you guys have. I don't shoot a lot of video, but I know, like in your industry, like everyone's moved to Reds and things like well, that. Well, it was. Um, Canon was not doing video well at all, and then Sony came out swinging with their A7 oh, right. series. Mm-hmm. Uh, Those so are nobody, mirrorless, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Nobody was like over the moon with Canon and then Sony came out and did their thing and yeah. people were much happier with that. So it was it was kind of just like shit on Canon well, for a good five years there. My 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 only direct comparison is mostly in that when I made that statement was mostly between Canon and Nikon because those tend yeah. to be the two that are like paired. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it Yeah, <laughs> you're a, you're an old school photographer. I, Sony isn't even on the playing no, no. field. Yeah. Yeah. Um so like basically between those two, um I the th- the nice if I have to say something nice about Canon. Mm-hmm. It's that they shot better video than Nikon does. Nikon handles better low light. And okay, because that's okay. my style um, and that's like my whole wheelhouse, the D750, previous to that, this is like one of my favorite stories to tell, but like I bought a D7000 mm-hmm. at Best Buy. It was like a prosumer $540 yep. camera body. I made 200 grand on that camera. Are you kidding? Yeah. That was over, a good investment. Over the course of so, so however many years I did my taxes, like every single year, I would just kind of pile it on top while I was working yep. with that body. Yep, yep, and yep. at one point when I crossed, like, I was like, I made over $200,000 on this thing. But then I, I upgraded from that. I did a, actually I did a um, GoFundMe, mm-hmm. um, which I still have to give a huge shout out to all the people that like, Contributed and to you that. did not lead your GoFundMe with "I've made two hundred thousand no. dollars off of this camera." Please buy me another I mean, one. I think I think I did say something along the lines of like, you know, I've done so much with this this yeah, yeah, this D seven thousand. I've pushed it to its limits. It's to its limits, and and I, I needed like a big boy camera. Yeah, they, they, like even the D seven thousand is not a full frame. 
So, you know, it's crazy to think that I, I did as much as I did, especially because like even some of the photos in that book mm-hmm. were shot on the D7000. Mm-hmm. And that's crazy. Like, yeah. I mean, it's that's like a Best Buy camera body. And um, can you pick them out? Like if you're flipping through, do you know which ones are on which yeah. cameras off the top of your head? Yeah, okay. I, I, yeah there are some. Um, there's uh, but the, the D750 was at the time had just come out. Mm-hmm. And um, I'd been reading these reviews on just how like incredible this thing was. And um, I mean, it was it was like twenty five hundred bucks but I didn't have 2,500 bucks and, um, I had some really big shoots coming up. There was this, um, uh, pinup model named Gia Genevieve name drop, mm-hmm. but, um, yeah, 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 she, no. uh, she clearly was, you she, hate name. Drop. I do. Um, I think what I said, when I said, I mean, I hate name drop. I think I, I should have probably put it in context. When I first started coming out here, I went off the hook. Like there's no way to talk about the trajectory of your career without talking about people who are involved. Well, there, what I think when you say like, what irks me, um, uh-huh. when I first started coming out here, I, mm-hmm. I was single and I was like going on dates. Mm-hmm. That's what I hate. I, I used to get major name dropping on dates, um, in a, in a format like this, there's kind of yeah, no way yeah, to not talk yeah, about it. Yeah, yeah. But like on a date, I don't want to hear about like some dude in some band or like, especially some... out here where everybody's in something like, right. There's no reason to name drop in LA. It's, it's, we're just going to work. Yeah. It's yeah. a job. Exactly. And, um, but, uh, anyway, Gia had just been on the cover of Playboy mm-hmm. and, um, you know, at that point in my career, that was like, I had an, I was going to be shooting her in a few weeks. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And um, the, the, the photographer that shot her for Playboy was Ellen Von Unworth. Mm-hmm. And like, she is, I am, I'm not a fanboy for many people, but mm-hmm. I am a huge fanboy for Ellen. And, um, t- that was some serious pressure. Like I'm going, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm going to shoot the same model immediately after Ellen bought her, uh, shot her Playboy cover. And I had this D 7,000 like Best Buy camera. And I was like, yep, yep. so I did this, this ain't going to cut the mustard. <laughs> yep. Yeah. So I ended up doing this GoFundMe and it, it ended up being successful to the, you know, generous support of a lot of people that yeah. follow me. And, um, Ellen shot, like she's, done so much great work and shot all these incredible celebrities and she's taken the most iconic photos of all these celebrities but I mean she's got these like projects there's a book she did like 20 years ago called Revenge Mm -hmm. which is about these um, three like French maids that work for these like really horrible um, like a a a rich guy and a rich woman and uh, they treat the maids like shit and eventually the maids like turn on them and like it's it's a whole bondage book and it's like it's just so brilliant and like those little things like really you know, influenced like, you know, kind of like what my, my perception of what sexy is. Um, and, And we could talk about that more with the book and everything later, but like, that is that is a, a kind of a key DNA to like my photography is like I, I like to shoot erotic stuff and sexy stuff, but I don't use I don't ever really go lewd. Yeah. Um, I mean, I, I tend to always have this like there's like a border, like a line I don't really want to cross. Um, I mean, I've shot stuff for Suicide Girls, so I've shot some vagina and stuff, but um, it's not typically part of what I shoot. Yeah. Um, and um, Ellen's kind of. Ellen's influence on me is like what is really sexy and where that line should be like a little a lot of it's just the tension you know it's mm-hmm. it's not really the full reveal it's like the moment before the reveal and um she there's no doubt Ellen was like a big part of like kind of what my tastes were for that but when you see those careers that kind of skyrocket the 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 photographers who are working with top talent and doing the the most iconic portraits of those talents what are what are the ingredients? Am I, my guess is uh, talent, personality, and the best manager you can possibly find. What what do you suppose the ingredients are? Man, I don't know because I haven't 
I haven't gotten there yet. I okay. mean, I can only I can only speculate based on like other friends of mine that have made it. But mm-hmm. I will tell you though, like making it is not what most people think it is. Like I have friends that have been on the covers of like ma- you know huge magazines, national nationally publicly published like reputable magazines, and they're still like picking up extra shifts at like bartending and stuff. Well, that's the thing is, yeah, it's um, it's just a photo to most of the world. Right, it's not a career and a name and a person yeah. that you've been looking up to for decades. Like right. most people see the cover and it's a picture of, uh, of Tom Hanks or whatever. Yeah. I, I have a friend in New York city who, who told me more or less that like the entire, I mean, she's done a lot of things with the, the in the fashion scene in New York city. And, um, you know, she's been in like, you know, you know, like rock star videos and stuff like really mm-hmm. well-known like musicians and everything. And, um, she's told me that like only th- probably six or seven people run that whole industry. Yeah. You know what I mean? All of New York. It, yeah, it's yeah, like, yeah, yeah. you know, so um, I think a lot of it, I mean, it was just eye opening to me because like I assumed if you're on the cover of a huge magazine like that, um, you know, like GQ or something. Yeah. You're set. They're that's coming not to you. True. You're, yeah. Yeah. That's your not, days of hustling are never ever right. done. Yeah. You, you, you just, you know, you just sit back and like, you know, enjoy the rest of your life. But it's not like that. Um, when at least were, in my experience. When you're kicking off, I don't want to let this thread go because my brain keeps going back to it. Did you start doing documentary photography or did it immediately go to portraits? Because your teacher, your mentor was right. working mostly in, in documentary and uh, journalism. Jim, yeah. Jim, um, <laughs> Jim kind of reminds, like, it's hard to like paint a picture of what Jim is like, but, um, he's very disarming. Um, he's kind of this old hippie. Um, mm-hmm. he's older now. He's like, in, he's still young. He's like in his fifties, but, um, he's very free spirit, like kind of just, um, and, uh, he, he has, he would go down to like need more Alabama mm-hmm. and just walk up to like all these little shacks and like knock on the door. These are like, these are places that like a white folk hasn't like walked into in, in like 50 years, unless they were there for something horrible, you know, to like, just be a prick. Um, so like Jim just walking up to these guys' houses and knocking on the doors, like you would think they'd just shoot him or something. And, 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 and he just explained to him that he's like just traveling and he wants to take photos and he'll ask if he can take photos of them. And he's just so, such a cool guy and so disarming that like eventually they would just invite him in. They'd make him biscuits. And yep, like yep, he yep, became yep. friends with all these people. There's a guy named Leroy that, um, he would just, you know, he, he, one of his good, good friends, this guy he met in like Needmore, Alabama. And, um, that was the name of the town, like need more. Yep, yep. And, um, and Jim would photograph them and tell their story and do it in such a, you know, such a well done, careful way. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and I realized soon after I tried doing what Jim did that, that I'm just not cut out for that. There was a huge part of me that maybe it was just in my head, but I felt like I was constantly exploiting these people. Yeah. Um, and Jim had this, this, you know, he was so careful about how he did it that it never came across like as exploitative. But for me, it felt that way. And I think if you feel that way in your head, it's going to inform the rest of the conversation and every photo. And I, and I just, I just realized early on, I was not comfortable with shooting people that did not want to be photographed. Yeah. So I kind of lead, I mean, I was 20 something. So naturally I was like, I'm going to shoot portraits. And then naturally that leads to beautiful women. And like, that's kind of how I got down that road. Um, Do you do any, uh, dark pinup of male models? Yes, I do. I, I love to. Um, that's, that's, it's such an overlooked thing. Like the male body is so ignored for the female body. Well, and you got to keep in mind that I shoot like a genre that's more or less trying to continue to live the forties and Mm fifties. So I, I mean, when I do shoot men, it tends to look like mad men, you know? Yeah. Um, Yeah. What's his name? John. Draper, like, yeah, John Hamm, that that, that fella. Yeah. Yeah. And like, I, I have stuff like that. The, 
the thing is I'm at a point in my career and where I'm at in my career right now. Um, I only, I only really shoot who hires me and it's mm-hmm. just unfortunate, but I only get hired by about one or two man, like male clients a yeah. year, a year. I'd love to shoot more men. That's so. I've started doing kind of headshot portraits here in LA and it is an uphill battle to find dudes. I've got like a, yeah. the, the females are coming through steadily for the headshots. Yeah. Guys just aren't yeah, like, yeah. it's hard to sell them on the idea. Yeah. Um, I, I don't know. I mean, it's it's a bummer, but um, I, I do really enjoy shooting men. I, here's a question that we might even end up deleting. Okay. Um, and I'm going to try to frame it as best I can. My wife is Kenyan, mm-hmm. and she's quite dark-skinned. Mm-hmm. And we're both into kind of goth culture, goth aesthetic. There just aren't that many African-Americans or dark-skinned people in the goth landscape. Has that been your experience? or yes. That, 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 well, like we were looking, we were trying to find photos of, of like banging dark skin, goth aesthetic. And it just wasn't stacking. It was like 2% of the photos. And then the other 98% were pale skin. Yeah. I mean, in, 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 so, you know, when you're talking fashion, um, typically there's, there's choices being made, um, mm-hmm. as far as like, who's going to represent certain brands or whatever. Now I have, I have a really beautiful a uh, couple of friends in in minneapolis where i live um one girl is like this like she's black girl and she's just such a metalhead mm-hmm. and like <laughs> I, I she's just great she's got the, the greatest aesthetic she just like has such a don't fuck with me kind of like presence yeah. and everything but she's just beautiful she looks you know she she could easily be a model i'm not sure if she does model but um but uh and she's, you shoot her or you no, just I've never, buddies i've never photographed her it's just okay. friends at a coffee shop but when you when you mentioned that she just came to mind um but out here i shoot for a brand um called la femme noir mm-hmm. and um they they are a um, kind of like a goth, uh, dark, like uh, all their dresses almost look like morning dresses for funerals and stuff, yeah, yeah. but they're beautiful and they're all like intricate lace design and everything like that. And um, we recently just did a um, shoot in Minneapolis um, that they sent the the product to me and mm-hmm. I, I set up the shoot, but um, they specifically said they wanted a black model. Yes. And um, it, it's just funny we're having this conversation because the whole conversation I had with Micheline and Lynn, the, um, the, the partners, the owners of uh, La Femme Noir, was exactly that. There's not a, a lot of representation for, you know, black models yeah. in, in like dark goth clothing or brand or like dresses or anything. And that's exactly what they wanted to do. Excellent. That's a so, huge relief because we were trying to find her something like we wanted to start getting her some accessories or maybe a dress or two that would look good on her. Mm-hmm. There just wasn't the, well, the I, you should reference shot. Send her to La Femme Noir. And we'll I'm not I'm not saying that even no, no, as somebody no. that shoots for the brand. I'm just saying that as somebody that is aware of it. It was such a great shoot. Man. Yeah. That was one of those. They're such a dream client for me mm-hmm. because um, Micheline and I go way back to when she was working for another brand mm-hmm. and she was more or less just um, the creative director and kind of ran the whole the whole ship, really. And um, we, we had a close relationship back then. And um, this is a fun story. If you have a minute for me to tell, I got a minute. Um, we, we first shot at my friend Thomas's um, Automata studio. So he's one of, I'm aware of this studio. Are you? Okay. Yes. So, so he, he has this incredible, it's called the spirit room and it's just this, you know, it, it's, it's like something out of like a Guillermo del Toro film. It, it's mm-hmm. just like books and like, you know, and like some people when they decor their house, they'll, they'll buy like a, um, like a Ouija board or something. Yeah. Thomas's spirit room has like Ouija boards from like, 
you know, 1680 that yep, should be in yep, a museum. Yep, yep, like, yep. And there's just like, it's just such a cool space, but I was terrified to shoot in there the first time. No, we've and, got the room that will be the spirit room once, okay. <laughs> once we're squared away. Right. And, um, so it's dark though. It's yeah. super dark. And, um, and, um, Thomas is, well, even, no, you're going for an aesthetic, an umbrella right. aesthetic. It's got to right. match and, everything. And when Michelin, this was our first time we'd ever, we'd ever shot together. Mm-hmm. Um, so I already had a tremendous amount of pressure on my head just because of that. Yeah. And then we were going to this place and, um, uh, we we're going to Thomas's and she even told me, she's like, she's like, he's probably not going to let us shoot there. Um, he's very private about like, you know, letting people see that kind of stuff or, or even be in his space like that. So he agreed to it. He ended up, he told me later since we've become friends that he kind of stalked me on Facebook to look at my work. Mm-hmm. And because he's such a fan of old chiaroscuro and like noir film, he liked my work and he agreed. Mm-hmm. So we're on our way there. We get there and it's really dark and Michelin and I had never shot together. And she is very aware of like, she's not a photographer herself, but she knows what is good and bad photography and what good situations are like. And we get there and she's like, wow, this is like really dark. I'm kind of worried about this. And I wasn't worried. I was like, oh, I got this. Don't worry. I was shooting with like a 50 millimeter Mm 1.4. I knew I'd have to have her be very, very still and I'd have to be very still. But I kind of have this secret thing I've learned over the last 20 years, like a sniper, how to breathe, you know? Yep, with yep, my yep. camera so I don't shake. And um, One of the best things, if anyone's listening to this, thinking to get into photography, the cheapest lenses in, in any kit is the 1.8 50mm lens. You can get them for 100 bucks for any camera True. and you can get started tomorrow with your, your new hobby. Yeah. Back to the story. Yeah, um, and I had this lens and I knew even though the lighting was harsh, like really low, um, mm-hmm. I, I remember thinking I, I can do this. And I started shooting and um, I was just really happy. I'd look at them on the back and I'd be like, oh, these are great. And she'd be like, are these coming out okay? And I'd be like, oh, they're, they're, they're great. And she's like, okay. And we keep going. She turned, blah, blah, blah. And um, she, uh, a little bit later, 10 minutes later, she's like, are you sure these are coming out good? Cause mm-hmm. like, I don't, I was like, they're coming out great. And then finally, after about 20 minutes, she's like, can I see your camera? And she just wanted to see them yeah. on, on the camera. And I showed them to her and on the back of the camera, she, she just looked at it and she looked at two or three photos. She's like, these are awesome. And she gave them back to me. And ever since that day, she's fully trusted me. Never, never asked never for the camera asked, again after that. Well, and, and I mean, like we did big, big lookbooks for like some of these, old, this other brand. And, um, there were, she would just like, she'd, I'd be like, what do you want me to shoot? And she'd just be like, whatever you want. Yep. And those are like having clients like that, like, or, you know, or just even friends that you can collaborate with that just trust you inherently to do what you do. Um, I, this is one of them. I I feel like I should show you this because, um, how were you snagging your first, after you show me this, I want to know like how you kind of got in the paid lane. Cause there's a lot of people with cameras. Um, yeah, I'll tell you about that in a second. The the little things like this, like this is all diegetic uh, or incidental. And, um, Look at the rim light, like on her face there. Oh yeah, yeah, and, yeah. And that's Stunning. because they're, they're, when we open that door, I don't know yep. if that. Um, well, we'll we'll get that photo okay. if you can send it in an sure. email. We'll we'll attach it. And yeah, put and it. and uh, so like like that that w- that shot was from the same story I just told, where she's like, "Can I see that camera?" Like, um, and these were like still to this day some of the best photos I've ever taken of her, and mm-hmm. they were the first time, and. Um, this is a little bit of a offshoot, but like, I feel like in this industry or like when you're working in this sort of profession, you have these moments where you're scared shitless that like, I, like you, you deal with me, at least I do deal mm-hmm. with major imposter syndrome. Like, oh, I'm, yeah. I'm, like yeah, yeah. I'm like, I'm not this good. I should not be hanging out with these people. And then you, you're, you're terrified of it. But then when you, 
nail it. You yep. have you almost level up yep, like a yep, video yep, game. Yep, yep, yep. You're like, oh shit, maybe I am that good, you know. And and you and you kind of gain the confidence to that you need to get hit that next level. That imposter syndrome does hit me, uh, and the best I can do with it is say, well, yeah, I don't belong here, so I better enjoy the shit out of this shoot. Yeah, because <laughs> I'm not going to be here again because I don't actually deserve right. it. And then you do a great job yeah, and you get hired yeah. for something else. But yeah, it's been a especially since I've been coming out to L.A. because like growing up in Scranton. Los Angeles, Hollywood just was such a daunting, like, like we just all accepted. We'd never even see it. Yeah. You know what I mean? Let alone like work in here, yep. you know? So, um, I, I deal with that a lot, but, um, the paid thing, uh, that keep in mind, I work in a niche, like a really, yeah, really, yeah, it's, yeah. A, it's a subculture of a subculture. Yeah. Um, so it's small, but there's still thousands and thousands of people that are into this culture. And, um, you, you know, really, Honestly, the secret for me for getting paid is just to put your foot down and just say, I have to get paid. Um, granted every now and then I'll do a TF if it, if it like really benefits me in some way, Mm -hmm. but not often time for Prince. Yeah. Yeah. For the people. Yeah. And, um, the, uh, so I don't do them often, but, um, what happened was, um, this is sort of a, like, I think a lot of people can probably relate to this and I'm trying to tell this story so that like people that might be going through some of the doing lots of free work, like I might be able to save them some pain. Mm-hmm. Um, I have a house in Minneapolis. So anyway, 2015, uh, no, it must've been earlier than that. It must've been 2013. Long story short, I was a new dad. Mm-hmm. I, I was a single dad with my son and I, I was doing a lot of free work, cons- like TF stuff, thinking that like it would help project my career or, you know, mm-hmm. and, um, I almost lost my house. I, 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 I almost, cause you're of the mindset. Like I just got to keep doing it. It'll open up right. the next door. We got to get to those right, doors right. so they can open up. So in, in that year I did, I almost had to foreclose on my house. Um, it was really an upsetting, terrifying thing, especially with being, a, yeah. having a son. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And, um, and I did my tax, rich, my taxes that year. And I looked at like how many shoots I did versus how many I got paid for. And there was just this moment where I was like, I can't do this anymore. Like it, it just, you have to, I had to draw a hard line Yeah. and, um, and I was terrified cause I figured, I think there's even a, a deeper mentality that comes along our psychology that comes along with growing up in a really poor area where you just you think everyone in the world's as poor as you were Yep. and, um, you're afraid to ask for money. Yep. And, um, and I kinda, that was my moment where I was like, I know no one's going to hire me for this price, but I have to at least just like put it out there and, and like stand my ground. And if mm-hmm. it ends up where I have to work and, and shoot for like Sears and do like portraits at like target or whatever, or, yeah. or whatever does portraits these days, or even like a private studio, um, I, that's what I'm going to have to do. I was at that point, I was prepared to just not do this anymore. Um, and surprisingly when you kind of put your foot down and just like, not in a mean way, but just kind of like know your worth kind of thing. Yeah. yeah. Um, People How many you. years years in were you when you fo- uh, put your foot down? That was would have been about 2013, I think. So a decade or uh, no, a decade no, and a half almost. No, 2013. So that was only what six years ago? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it was around that time that I kind of like really had to start getting paid. Okay. Um, I mean, I got paid, but like when I first started going to LA, mm-hmm. I think I was charging 500 for a shoot. Yeah. Um, but that included hair, makeup. Yeah, um, yeah, I usually yeah. pull wardrobe from like, like some, you know, so in, in a sense, wardrobe was included. I'd usually find the location we were shooting mm-hmm. and I would fly myself here for $500. And I mean, like that was the problem is that like, 
half of the, I'd say a third of the shoots I was doing were TF because I was hoping they would launch me to a, a good opportunity. The other half I was getting paid 500 for a shoot yeah. that took like endless amount of work and resources. And, you know, by the time it was all said and done, I was either breaking even or losing money. Yeah. And um, that's when it kind of like the nickels and dimes sort of working out to a point that I had to start charging more. And every time I've gone up in my rate, um, I thought for sure that was the end of the world. No one would hire me, but um, it's not like that. I mean, I've had clients now, um, my rate now is a thousand dollars and, um, I've had clients that will like hit me up three days before I get here. And they're like, Mm -hmm. Oh, I see you're coming to LA. Can you like, can you take any more bookings? And I'm like, I could maybe shoot Saturday evening. And the, and, and I'm like, but it's really short notice, you know? And like, I usually take a deposit of half and then a deposit when I, or the rest of the balance when I get there. And they're like, yeah, that's fine. No problem. Where are you getting your most traffic? Is it Facebook, Instagram, your website? Instagram, no doubt. Okay. Um, in fact, I, I went through this like um, kind of uh, kind of epiphany like right before the new year of the things I needed to cleanse out of my life. Mm-hmm. And um, I deleted my Facebook. I did not delete my Instagram. And I know they're owned by the same company. I understand, yeah, yeah. I understand the irony in that. But like, honestly, one platform did something for me and the other doesn't. Um, okay. Facebook did nothing for me. And it was just like this suck on my like energy and like mood. Um, but Instagram, I actually get hired on there quite a bit. So there's at least a reason to keep that, you know, and I, I do f- in some ways feel, I think it's horrible. The things that they've done algorith- algorithmically where like now you, you more or less have to pay just for your same audience to see your work. Mm-hmm. But I guess because and we're I'm, talking Facebook now, Instagram. Okay. Yeah. They've, they've done the so same they've, thing. Yeah. Facebook yeah. had that mod, like it's kind of bleeding it's, into the yeah. Instagram model at this yeah, point. Yeah. They just wanted to wait until when to deploy it, but it's been deployed. Yeah. Um, but honestly, like, because I think if you're like, okay, some of these like celebrities or, or Instagram famous people that are, uh, you know, kind of like million followers and stuff. I think the algorithm change really affected them because most people don't, a lot of their fan base doesn't see their stuff. But when you're in a niche, whether it be like tattooing or comics mm-hmm. or whatever, like I almost just think people will just seek you out. Like yeah. Thomas is, Thomas is a perfect example. My friend, the Tomaton guy, mm-hmm. like he's just such a interesting, fascinating person. Like the thing he does is so special that if you're into it, you will yeah. just, I will go out of my way to just, like probably once every couple of days, just go see, I'll type his name in. I don't even, it, algorithms don't matter. It's not like I just yeah. scroll through my feed. I'll go see what he's doing. Um, you know what I mean? So I think maybe some people do that with me too. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, but again, it's such a niche thing that like, it, it, they kind of don't the really close tight niches. Um, they kind of play by their own rules in some yeah. ways. Are you putting money into your online campaigns or is it all organic? No, at I've this never point? paid okay. for anything like that. Okay. Yeah. So. I'm done. Okay. Do you want to take over? Yeah, sure.